live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. Well, I would say what a dreary, crummy day, except compared to yesterday, today is like a day at the beach. Man, I tell you something, you know, this is one where you can complain about the weather, but you can't do anything about it. But yesterday was about as bad as it gets as from a weather perspective. You know, um, over the course of the weekend, you know, Friday afternoon after the show, played a little bit of golf, and then a cold front ended up moving in where we were, and the temperature dropped about 20 degrees. Saturday was, of course, if you were close to the lake, it was cold, but it was at least dry. And then starting Saturday evening, it started to rain, and anywhere around southeastern Wisconsin, it's um, kind of like Noah, get ready to build a boat as the rain kept coming down and coming down and coming down. And depending on where you are, anywhere from an inch and a half to up to four inches. And the forecast is for more rain tonight, not rain like what happened yesterday, but just one of those sort of icky days. And hopefully, you were able to keep your sump pumps running and your basements dry. Lots of uh, localized sort of flooding situations. And hopefully, you know, we're going to get past that a little bit. But if you look at the 10-day forecast, going to get nice, going to get into the 70s. And then, again, some more rain on the horizon. So uh, we sort of had a marginally decent winter, you know, not that much snow, not that much really bitter cold, but we're paying for it with a non-existent spring and certainly a wet spring as well. So hopefully your basement stayed dry, hopefully it didn't flood out, and hopefully things will in fact get better, which brings me to where I want to start the show today. This was our first weekend of no statewide safer at home orders. Some communities, City of Milwaukee, parts of Milwaukee County, decided to continue with their own version of Safer at Home. A number of communities, I would say probably the vast majority of the state though, essentially started to allow things to open up. That was kind of the the goal with this. There's questions about whether or not communities still have the legal authority to do it or not. That caused some to just simply say, okay, we're we're not going to open up. But also there was, I think, the sense of peer pressure where you see uh, communities in Waukesha, for example, allowing different businesses to operate, and a lot of the owner business owners in Milwaukee saying correctly, "Well, wait, if if you know a mile down the road, this bar or this restaurant can open up, why shouldn't I be able to open up?" And I'm sympathetic to that. That, of course, was the same argument that a lot of small businesses were making over the course of the last couple months, when they would say, "Well, why can't my local florist shop be open or my luggage store?" When I look across the way and there's 400 people piling into the Costco. So what appears to be happening now is a decision being made by more and more municipalities that they are going to wait for it, trust the retailers, trust the businesses to do the right thing, 
and wait for it again, trust people to do the right thing and to make the right decisions when it comes to all of this. So what you saw is restaurants throughout the area, at least in some cases, starting to open up. Now, on Friday night, I, I've not eaten in a restaurant, but on Friday night, we, we stopped off. We picked out a carryout, and instead of bringing the carryout out to the parking lot, you could actually go into the restaurant and pick it up. And they were, the restaurant we went to, they they had, so they were serving customers, but it was about, they were maintaining about like 30% occupancy. So people were, were spaced out, but we did go in. We picked up the food at the bar, and that was the plan moving forward. Some restaurants still haven't planned to open up because they're trying to figure out, you know, how can we do this and getting their staff back and things like that. Area barber shops and hair salons and nail salons are starting to open up more and more this week. I'm scheduled finally Thursday morning. I'm, I'm due to finally get my hair cut for the first time in a couple months. Very much looking forward to that. But it appears that there is not going to be, at least on the part of the Republicans in the legislature, there is no overriding desire or will to put in, again, a reinstatement of the Tony Evers statewide rule stopping certain businesses from opening up and instead going with recommendations, assuming that people are going to do the right thing and that businesses are going to do the right thing. My experience thus far, and I understand you can watch television and you can see a, a, a picture of you know people maybe not social distancing in a bar here or there, but in general, my experience over the weekend was that, that people and businesses were being pretty responsible about this. The fact is that no business wants to get people sick in their business. And most of us understand that this is a virus that you don't want to catch. And so you need to be smart. And so whether it's making the decision to wear a face mask when you go into that business or the decision that, hey, I, I don't want to be piling in with a whole bunch of people, and if something looks really crowded, maybe I'll come back later. I think people can behave responsibly, and I think the businesses can behave responsibly. And I understand that there's going to be an exception to that from here and, here and there. But let's tee this up. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do we need new restrictions to be put back in place or now that we understand the risks that are out there now that we understand what we are supposed to do can we trust businesses and individuals to do the right thing 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line do we need more rules put into place for the operation of businesses and how we patronize them. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think with the possible exception of large gatherings, which candidly I don't think are going to happen anyways, I don't know that we really need a return to the safer-at-home rules. You can listen to the rules. I think most people are willing to follow them, maintain social distancing. But do we need government mandates? My answer would be I don't think so. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll talk. We'll pick up the show right there in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It appears more and more unlikely 
that you will see a return to any sort of statewide orders saying to businesses in various communities what they can and cannot do. Now, there's some counties that have those orders in place, um, but my guess is they're going to expire relatively soon. But even in the counties where the, the orders have expired, you, you don't, as a general rule, and I understand if you watch TV that first night, you saw people sitting in the bars packed in. In general, I think you're seeing people that are behaving responsibly, whether it's the, the beauty salons and the nail salons and the barber shops that are reopening or the small businesses that are reopening, or, or yes, the, the bars and the restaurants that are opening, reopening at limited or lesser capacity, which is what most are doing. All right, can we trust the businesses to do the right thing and individuals to make the right choices? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Dan on the south side. Dan, you're first. Hello. I agree with you. I don't think there should be any more. uh, Anything else going on, I think you're right on that. But another thing, I hardly disagree with you. You, I, and everybody else does not know how the whole state went. We don't know if people stayed apart. We don't know how all bars went and everything else went. So how can you say that this is going to be okay? I'm giving you two months, two months to find out what's going to happen. Well, I get. I mean, thanks for the call. I, I okay, you 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 give it two months. All right, and that's that's fine. I guess the see the flip side to all this is we're going to talk about this in a little bit. But the flip side is if you if you decide what is going to be different today then it's going to be different a week from now or two weeks from now or three weeks from now and, and the answer is really nothing i mean the covid19 and i keep trying to make this point and i know it's, it's lost on some folks but but covid19 is going to be with us until we get a vaccine and we convince people to take the vaccine so we're, it's going to be a part of our life and you know maybe its risks diminish once you get a therapeutic you know something that you can give people that you know if you catch it earlier along that diminishes the, the symptoms and the sooner that comes the better but otherwise we're going to have to live with COVID-19 and and it doesn't matter unless we are going to say we're not going to allow I don't know the two-thirds of the economy to reopen for the course of the next few weeks we're not going to let people go out of their houses except with all these limits we put in I understand why we did this in the beginning we did it in the beginning because first of all it was this unknown we didn't know what the patterns were and, and I think people had to be made aware that yes you have to maintain social distancing you have to do the, the smart kind of stuff that was number one and number two we did it so the health care system was not going to be overwhelmed remember the whole idea of flattening the curve we don't want a ton of people get getting sick at once and then all of a sudden you know you, you you run out of hospital space well that never happened in wisconsin and, and maybe it didn't happen in part because there was a learning curve and because in part because people you know came home and stayed at home and we didn't know what the testing was but you can't do that indefinitely in the real world you just cannot do that indefinitely so don't you trust people? Can't we trust people? Can't we trust businesses? In other words, again, to do the right thing. Now, look, I can't help it if you've got somebody that's 20 years old and decides that they want to flock, 22 years old, and that they want to flock into some bar and pile in, you know, with, where everybody's on top of each other. I, I can't I can't help that. And maybe there's going to be some tavern owners that do that. I think that's going to be in the vast minority because then once you have that outbreak that occurs in that particular area, nobody goes back to that particular bar. I think most people are willing to be smart about this, and I guess I'm always willing to trust people until there is a reason 
not to, at least collectively. Now, if it turns out that you end up having some sort of huge outbreak that starts to overwhelm the medical system in one area or the other, oh, okay, well, then maybe you need to, in that particular area, consider you know putting in new new restrictions or reinstituting restrictions or something like that. But otherwise, I, the, the idea that, okay, everybody's going to stay at home and you're going to keep all these businesses closed until we get a vaccine next year, two years from now, just not realistic, and people flat out will not do it. So until you can tell me what's going to be different next week by keeping in safer at home for one more week, what's the difference going to be? We're still going to be in the same situation. At the end of the day, we've got to trust businesses to be responsible with how they do it. We want to encourage them to follow the different guidelines that they put out as to how you can you know, safely reopen. Okay, if you're reopening a barbershop instead of, allowing, you know, 20 people to sit around and read newspapers and magazines, you know, waiting to get in. Well, what you do is you do it one-on-one. You have somebody come in, they have appointments, and then you sanitize the thing afterwards. You need to be willing to do that type of stuff. And I think most responsible businesses are going to do precisely that. Jeff, there is no way we can trust people and businesses to do the right thing. We live in a very selfish society. People will continue to do what they want to do regardless of what anyone says. It is sad. Okay, well, I guess that that's always going to be the reality. And then if that's that's one of our texts, if you feel that way, I my question is again, what is the alternative? Is it to say to the businesses you're 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 not going to be able to to reopen? Um you've got to be closed for forever. My argument for the longest time has been now that we start to know this, doesn't it make more sense to target particularly our our, our most significant efforts on the populations that are the most vulnerable and on the areas where it's most likely to have a, a spread. For example, let, let's look at the manufacturing process and you know what can we learn from what happened at different meatpacking plants where you had people one on top of each other. You know How do you deal with that? And, of course, for nursing homes and senior living facilities, it's going to be a new world. There, there's just no question about it, given the fact that people are vulnerable in that regard, um, that, 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 that. let's see, um, Jeff, we went out to eat at a restaurant in Fond du Lac. They did an excellent job. The hostess wiped the door handles anyone t- anytime someone came in and out. They have tables spaced about 10 feet apart. They used every other booth. In the bar, you could sit as a couple, but each couple were spaced at least six feet apart. No condiments on the table. Paper disposable menus that we could keep if we wanted to. We did not feel at all threatened. Um, yeah, I, I guess that that's kind of, that is my point. Now, Jeff, most people will act responsibly, not hardly. You put one irresponsible person in with a group of responsible people, and that person will infect everyone else, regardless of their thoughts on the government's stay-at-home mandate. This has nothing to do with my rights. It's public safety and public health. You do not have the right to infect me. To which my point would be, well, okay, it's not like we're making people be locked up. I mean, if, if you're worried about that irresponsible person, well, there's only so much you you can do about it because that irresponsible person could have been the guy that filled up at the gas pump right before you got to the gas pump, and you're the next one that touches the gas pump, which is why you know people do need to wash their hands. It's why people need to maintain appropriate you know distances for all those. Denise, Denise Troy, Denise, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Denise. What do you think? Uh, well, I took my dog dock diving in Plymouth, 
and they made they had me sign a waiver that stated I wasn't sick, no symptoms, and if I was to get to COVID, they are not liable. Huh. And I feel huh. every establishment should have that waiver, and it's my choice to go in there and other people's choice not to go in there. Do you think most people would be willing to sign that way? I mean, did you have any trouble signing the waiver? Not at all. It's my choice to go in there, and I, it's, it's my risk to go in there if there is a risk. I mean, but it's not their fault if I got it because I decided to go in there, and they they covered themselves as well. Yeah. And that can be done yeah. in any establishment, I feel. You know. Well, I mean, th- right. I mean, thanks for the call. I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess to me... And this is, I'm taking off my lawyer hat here. I, I'm less worried about, you know, liability and who's going to be responsible than I am about, like, massive numbers of people getting sick and going back and, and having the, these deaths. Now, if you, again, we, we know, this is one thing we've learned over the course of the last couple months, we, we know who is most at risk. Nobody wants to get sick. We know the precautions that we end up needing to take. But you've got to start getting back and leading some sense of normalcy there. So, you know, whether it's a question of liability or not. And, again, from a restaurant perspective, you know, restaurants don't want to get people sick. I mean, it, it would be, you know, for, for any sort of business, you know that they're going to have to, if they're smart, they're going to be taking employees' temperatures all the time because the last thing you need is some cook in some restaurant that ends up, you know, testing positive for, you know, COVID-19, and then what do you do? Do you have to shut down the restaurant? Do you have to try to identify all the people who were customers in there? It's just, it's in everybody's interest to try to be smart. Will there be exceptions to that? Yes, there, there, there will be. And there will be some people that probably put themselves at risk. For the people that don't want to take any risk at all, then then avoid you know, avoid the areas. Don't go down to like downtown Lake Geneva. You know, don't go out to the bars. Continue to be safer at home and shelter in place. And and there's nobody that's going to criticize you. At least I'm not going to criticize you for doing that. But for the people who feel more comfortable trying to be smart about this, I, I don't think you need the government telling them they can't. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's been two months since the world was put on pause. What does the future of sports in America look like? And how soon before we can gather with our friends and family at restaurants and events? Join John McCure and Greg Matzik tomorrow. 4 o'clock for WTMJ Cares, a special town hall where they'll be joined by Mark Murphy from the Packers, Rick Schlesinger from the Brewers, Peter Fagan from the Bucks, and leaders in the restaurant and entertainment industry. If you have a question for the panel, please call us at 414-203-8105. WTMJ Cares, powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum, sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Emmer Real Estate, Elkhart Lakes Road America, and Gruber Law Offices. You know, speaking of, of Rick Schlesinger from the Brewers, uh, uh, today, I, I made the point of I, one of the things about everything that's been going on in the last eight weeks is that, well, there, there's been nowhere to go, and we've all been kind of stuck at home, and I really haven't paid much attention to my calendar because there, there's nothing really that, that's on it. And finally, I decided, okay, today's the day we're starting to get back to normal, and I, I went through and I started putting in things that are coming up that I'm going to be doing, you know, different interviews and things like that. And I also 
started crossing off things that I had entered in my calendar. And it's just, it's one of these things. Like last Thursday, I was supposed to go to a, to a concert, a small concert in uh, Milwaukee. Uh, tomorrow, there was I had tickets to the Brewers and the Yankees. Um, they were supposed to be in town Friday. Brewers and Cubs, my buddy and I were going to be going to that. You know, next week on the 27th, it was going to be the uh, Brewers that were going to be playing at home as well. Just, you know, crossing off all those different events because, you know, they're just, unfortunately, they're not going to happen. Um, and it's, it is disappointing. It is also kind of the reality we're living with now. All right. As I said before the break, um, the big financial news is the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 3.73%. That's 882 points. The NASDAQ up 237 points. Now, again, right now the Dow is at 24,500. It was at 29,000. So it's still got a ways to go. But today is a big spike. And it's one of the reasons why people who try to time the market, who think that they you know, know when to get out, in and out, it's why it's such a risky strategy and, and doesn't work that often because you just you just never know. So if you had sold everything, you know, after the market had gone down and you've missed some of the like you miss a day like today, and it is going to affect your your long term gains. But anyhow, the the market is up. Like I say, the Dow Jones up almost nine hundred points. Why is that? Well, I think there's two things. First of all, across the country, states are starting to reopen. We're starting to come out of this. Now, I understand there's some people who don't want to go out. There's some people who think that you can't trust other people. There's some people who think that we're doing it too soon. But in general, I think you see a lot of enthusiasm, and at least the investors are saying, okay, now now is the start. We've got a long way to go, but this is the start. So we're optimistic that people are going to start getting out, and we're going to start getting people back to work. That's number one. The second thing which is driving this big increase today is reports over the weekend that we are getting closer to having a vaccine for COVID-19. Now, I'm a little bit skeptical of that because, as I said earlier, that the fastest we have ever produced a, a vaccine for a widespread disease was the mumps. And that took four years. Now, that's, that's I admit, admit a long time ago, and you, medical science has come a long way, plus you have a lot of different entities that are working on trying to develop the, the vaccine. But there's a number of different reports. A couple different coronavirus vaccine trials are showing prominent, what they describe as promising early results. Now, that doesn't mean that they're all going to work. But there's at least some optimism that maybe sooner, maybe sooner than some people think, maybe even by the end of the year, they're going to be in a position to be able to distribute this, this vaccine, starting with health care workers and then the most vulnerable populations, etc. Of course, once you get a vaccine, that then becomes one of the keys to being able to completely you know, reopen. Because once you've got a vaccine, you know, if you're protected and the thing works, well, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're coming into close contact with somebody who is still infected, if the, if the vaccine works. And if they can develop a therapeutic that eliminates a lot of the bad consequences, like they have a therapeutic for the flu. You get, uh, you know, even if you get a flu shot, you can still get influenza. But they have these different things. Tamiflu, I think, is what the thing is called. They give it to you. It's a prescription drug, and it doesn't 
eliminate the flu, but it makes symptoms a lot better, and it helps you get over it if you get it in a timely fashion. So, I mean, the key to, quote-unquote, returning to normalcy is, of course, having a vaccine that protects a large chunk of the population. There is a huge asterisk that goes with that, though, and that is that people have to be willing to get the vaccine. And we we understand that there's, what when it comes to the flu shot, what, what is there? Maybe like 40 to 45% of the people who choose to get a flu shot and, and the other people don't. Now, I understand COVID-19 isn't the flu, so I, I get all that. But you've got, you've got a people who, to this day, refuse to get the measles vaccine or refuse to get the mumps vaccine. They refuse to get these different things. So assuming for the sake of argument that these vaccines get fast-tracked, and they get rolled out over the course, let's say by the end of the year, you have number one vaccines that the FDA has signed off on, and number two that are available, or produced in quantities enough to be available to the general public. All right, the question is, are you going to be vaccinated? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, over the course of the last couple months, you know, I, I've asked that question maybe once or twice, and, and you know, we, we've gotten interesting responses to that. But now that we're starting to see the, the, the country and the state reopen, that we're trying to get back to some sense of normalcy, that we're trying to get people back to work, if we accept the general premise that, you know, if you want to be safe from COVID-19, it isn't going to happen until completely safe that is it isn't going to happen until you're able to be vaccinated all right they roll this out within the next six months are you going to get vaccinated 855-616-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line i'll tell you what i'm going to do in just a minute but i'm curious all right people want safety people want to have that sense that they're they're not going to get sick all right so once they roll out that vaccine are you going to be one of the early adopters, assuming it is available? You're going to be one of the first in line. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if not, why not? If so, why? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Don't make dumb arguments. WT- Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, what I find to be interesting about this conversation is I know there's a lot of people out there who will not feel safe going out into public or being around groups of people, and they don't feel other people should be going out in public or being around groups of people until there's a vaccine, which is all well and good. But then the question becomes, all right, will, will you be one of the first people in line to get that vaccine once they develop it, given the fact that, I mean, even if the FDA signs off on it, if, you know, you're, there's still, we don't know. I mean, you're going to assume it's going to work. You're going to hope it's going to work. You're going to hope it's going to be safe. But I guess there's no guarantees in life. Let's start with Mary in Greenfield. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hi, hi Jeff. Yes, hi, I would definitely get the shot definitely get the shot my husband too we're both in our late 60s well because i want you know i because for our health reasons and i also work in one of the suburbs in the area in the school system with Mm -hmm. i'm in the kitchen with making food for the kids and that so i feel i obligated to get that shot 
to protect not just my husband and myself, but to protect people around me when I go. To, if I'm going to go to work, I should protect them. Do you get a flu shot every year as well, Mary? Yes, we do. Yeah, okay, good. No, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, that 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 makes sense to me. Now, I, I'm, again, I get a flu shot every year as well. I, I get vaccinations. I, I, I've never had an adverse reaction to anything like that. I'm not, to my knowledge, allergic to things like that. And, and maybe this is just me being naive, but if it gets rolled out, that's when I, where I sit down and I have a conversation with my doctor and I say, okay, doc, let's discuss this. I mean, you know my medical background and stuff. What's, what, what do you think? Is, is there an unreasonable risk to getting the vaccine, understanding that you can always have a first time for, for everything and you could have a real negative reaction? And I'm listening to what my doctor tells me. And if he says, I think it's safe and I think it's probably good, I, I go ahead and, and do it. That's how I approach the I'm due for my shingles booster or something like that. Kathy in Green Lake. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I would get the vaccination. And I would get it because I'm a retired healthcare worker and you need to get herd immunity because there are Mm -hmm. some people who will not get the vaccine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Would you get it in the first wave? So let's say just for the sake of argument, by by January 1st of next year, they've got a vaccine. The FDA has signed off on it and it's 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 available enough that people could get it. Would you be one of the first people in line to get that shot? Absolutely. Yeah, good. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I guess I, I mean, I, I, I would too. Let's see. Let's go to the text line. Um, da, 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 da. Jeff, the recovery percentage without the vaccine is 98%, meaning, again, that for, for the fatalities, it's, we, we, we know who, we know who dies from this. You know, pe- lots of people get sick, but as a general rule, the people who, who end up having the worst results are, and we've talked about it before, um, you know, people older, you know, 65 and older, one risk category, 70 and older, 80 and older, 90 and older, and or people who have underlying risk issues, the hypertension, the out-of-control diabetes, the overweight. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to get sick and you're going to get better, but at the same time, you're still, you know, going to get sick. I mean, I the, the flu I'm not worried about the flu killing me, but I get a flu shot every year. Jeff, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but once you get a vaccine given to tens of thousands or millions of people, side effects will start showing up that did not appear during trials. I don't want to be a guinea pig. Once I would know that vaccine is proven not to have any serious health effects, I would get vaccinated, which I think there might be a lot of people that take that, that position. That, yeah, there's a vaccine that's there, but we don't want to be the first folks in, in line for this. We want to give it six months or a year. And, and, I, and the reason I bring that up is for everybody who thinks that, boom, the minute you get a vaccine, that's going to solve all the problem. It's, it's, it's not because there's lots of people who aren't going to get it at all. Or if they get it, they're not going to get it right away. Kathy in Delafield. Kathy, you're on WTJ. Good afternoon. Oh, lost Kathy there. Okay, Kathy. Okay, no, Kathy. I'm the, I'm here. here. Oh, okay, good. My I'm producer here. hit the wrong button. I, uh, good. Go ahead, Kathy. Okay. Well, I am probably in the camp of I would not want that vaccine at this time. Um, okay, tell me why. Only because I think they they haven't had enough time to really research and roll out a safe vaccine, and I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of that, Dr. Judy Makovic. She's been kind of 
on the fringe, but she just wrote a book about Dr. Fauci and all of the people in the CDC. And I just Mm -hmm. am very um, skeptical. And right now I think uh, there's a safe drug that they can give you if you did get this virus, that hydroxychloroquine has had a lot of positive results. Now, there's been many doctors who have been kept off of mainstream media, but there are a lot of anecdotal success stories out there. Okay, well, Kathy, thanks and, for calling. I mean, I, I don't look. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to go. I don't want to chase conspiracy theories down the the the, you know, too too far down down some of these rabbit holes. And I understand there's people out there who think that Fauci and the the CDC are all. Um, I don't know, sort of in in bed with the giant pharmaceutical companies, and and that's it. And I, I just. I, I guess I, I just don't want to go down too far down that that rabbit hole. And as far as alternative drugs, I, I mean, I'm I, I'm willing to try anything. I, I don't know that there's a, a magic bullet that, that's out there, you know, right now. And I don't want to get into the politics of, of some of the, these different things. I want to talk about, you know, once the FDA approves the, this vaccine. I guess I think there's going to be a lot of people like you though, who and I understand this, who who aren't going to be in the, want to be in the first wave of of the testing. And that's all well and good. But again, it, it ties back to the whole notion that for everybody who wants a quote unquote sense of normalcy, you, you gotta understand we're, we're a ways away from that because at least if your sense of normalcy is we want to guarantee that there is a treatment for this disease. Now, if there is a vaccine, what that might mean is, and the vaccine works, is it means that you don't necessarily have to worry as much because, you know, you, you've got the protection behind it if it's safe. Um, let's see, Jeff, I'm not, um, okay, let's see, uh, no, Jeff, I'm not getting it, it is way too soon, um, let's see, Jeff, when the vaccine is available, would you get it if you had to sign a waiver of side effects? Well, I, I don't think I'm going to be the one filing the lawsuit anyways, um, let's see, Jeff, no way I'm taking one, I'm healthy and 40, uh, no way would I give it to my two-year-old, huh, um, uh, let's see, Jeff, did you see any sort of information that was posted by a newspaper? Information that 75% of coronavirus deaths would have never tested in autopsies. They were never performed. So the idea is that it's going to be, um, it may be larger than they have. Jeff, I worked in a geriatrics practice for 20 years. There are still patients who absolutely believe that you can get the flu from the vaccine, even though it's scientifically not accurate. So I think there will be a lot of people who will not get it. Having said that, there is a new flu vaccine produced every year so they clearly can produce one quickly um jeff there is a vaccine for the regular flu now and we still have 60 to 80,000 people die every year um it's just it, it's just the risk jeff i do not get the flu shot yearly and i would not be in line for the covid vaccine only if my family required it so i could see and hold my grandchildren again i would otherwise um I, i'm willing to take my chances okay so th- this is this is the issue again I hope they get a vaccine as quickly as possible, and I certainly hope they get a therapeutic, a treatment, which might even come out sooner, so that if people do get it, you can give it to them and you can stop the symptoms from worsening. And then what we can do, what I think we really need to concentrate on, is identifying those most at-risk groups 
and making sure they have access to you know the, the vaccines, they have access to the therapeutics, and they have access to the different you know rules that are out there to make certain that at least as certain as you possibly can that they are are not being exposed. I, I know somebody whose um, spouse just um, been fighting cancer and is, is in hospice now, and it's just it's just heartbreaking right now because they've got these rules limiting the access of. Uh, limiting the access of people, the kids can't go in and and see their their grandmother or their their mom and their mom or dad who, who's in you know one of these facilities at the end of the life thing. It's just heartbreaking. You know, we we need to to figure out how we're going to handle those different types of situations, and that's one of the challenges. All right. So when we come up and come back in the next hour of the program, some stores had long lines of people waiting to get in. Is that crazy that people were going out and shopping like that? A nurse is being shamed for appearing on television after going out to a bar. And TSA, well, TSA is getting ready to break out the thermometers. All that is coming up. We'll be discussing that and a lot more. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Boy, it's just a rainy, dreary afternoon. Like I said at the start of the program, though, today makes yesterday look like just let's head out to have a, a, a great day at the beach. You look at the weather forecast, looks like we're stuck in this till about next Wednesday, and then few nice days and it looks like it's finally going to start getting warm which will be great hey one final thought uh, on our conversation about would you get a vaccine and i understand that there's people out there and and we had you know our our last caller was expressing that point there's people out there who who view that the current health situation that we're in as this sort of like giant conspiracy that that's out there and and the idea that you've got all it's whether it's the cdc or the world health organization which by the way i i think can fairly be criticized for a, a lot of different things and and then medical professionals like dr fauci who are completely in bed with big pharmaceutical and this is just all some master plan to try to you know sell lots of coronavirus vaccine and things like that and 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 i just i, I refuse to go down some of these rabbit holes because i think you know we, ha- we have to when we discuss this we have to be rational we have to look at, and we have to i think to an extent trust medical science and and say look you know that this is a very very real thing people are are dying from this we've learned a lot over the last couple months about who is the most vulnerable we understand i think where we should be putting our resources and that is to protect the most vulnerable and and so i refuse to go down this well okay this is giant conspiracy to try to you know in, enrich certain doctors just like i refuse to go the other extreme which is the the folks who say well we we can't allow anybody to go outside we we can't allow anybody to do anything until we have eradicated coronavirus which is of course not realistic either and i always go back and point that the the whole goal when we started of the safer at homes and the shutdowns was to stop the healthcare system from being overwhelmed by just this enormous number of outbreaks not to eliminate the disease because we're not going to eliminate the disease it is unfortunate but we're not going to be able to do it until you get the vaccine and the therapeutics and people take it just like 
you know, we're not able to uh, eliminate all sorts of other diseases that are out there. So there's always going to be a risk in going out in public. It's all about kind of managing the risk. So do I, do I think that we need to be skeptical and think this is all some giant conspiracy? Well, of course not. And do I need to think that we all need to cower at home and keep, you know, the, the blinds closed? Well, no, I don't think that's the reality either. We have to figure out how we balance risk, which brings me to what I want to discuss with you next. The airlines are and have been deemed to be an essential service. But people aren't flying. Now, there's two reasons why people aren't flying. First is there's nowhere to go. <laughs> and, and, I mean, and by that I mean, you know, if, if you're traveling on business, most businesses just are, are their employees are working at home. It's, I understand there's some people who still do some business travel, but that is the vast majority, minority. People are, we're, we're on shutdowns now, so, um, I'll, to the extent that there's sales going on, a lot of times it's, it's via video conferencing and things. So business travel has been greatly, dramatically reduced. And vacation travel is down to just about zero because, you know, even if you get somewhere, most stuff is closed. You know, the, the hotels in downtown Milwaukee, they're, they're, all the, the major hotels are, are still, they are closed. You know, if you had arrangements to go to, like, Disney World, like I did, and we canceled that trip, but right now Disney World is closed. Will it be open in a week or two? I don't know. Under what circumstances? I don't know. But, you know, we, we canceled our, our trip. So, you know, people who have plans for leisure travel, they're not flying because, again, the places that they would go, chances are there's nothing they can do, even if they have a place to stay once they get there. So the airlines have been absolutely and totally crippled by these things. One of the concerns that some people have is that even if, even if I could travel to New York to, you know, have meetings to sell my book, and even, not that I'm writing a book, but you get my point. Or even if it was, you know what, I really, I need to get away. I want to see the sun. I want to go see the mouse. They've opened up Disney World. Okay, now, now I have a place to go. One of the things that's keeping at least some people away is the fact that on the best of circumstances, you, you get on an airplane and your chances of getting sick go up dramatically. I, it seems to me that I won't say every cold I've gotten, but many of the colds I have gotten over the years have come after I've flown on an airplane because inevitably there's some kid behind me or two rows behind me, you know, sniffling and, you know, and coughing up a lung or something like that. And, you know, you're in this confined space and, and you just you, you understand it. Maybe it's all in my head. Maybe it's all in my head, but I swear when I think back on a lot of the illnesses I've had, it, it comes, it's like, oh, yeah, four days ago I was on the airplane coming back from wherever, and, yeah, there was that lady that was sneezing, you know, two rows back. So, you know, airplanes are just Petri dishes, and, and, and you can put, you can make people wear masks. But you can't guarantee that the people are going to wear the masks properly. So you're on that three-and-a-half-hour flight to Las Vegas, and maybe you've got the guy that's got the mask on, but he pulls it down to scratch his chin or scratch his nose or, or whatever. You just, you know, even if people are wearing masks, that, that's not some, like, guarantee that people aren't going to get sick. You're still in this big, giant tube with recirculated air. So the question is, you know, how do you know if people are going to get sick or not, or how do you reduce the chances? Well, the Transportation Safety Administration, TSA, is preparing to begin checking passengers' temperatures at roughly a dozen airports as soon as, as next week. Um, they haven't said which airports it's going to be yet, 
But essentially what they're going to be doing is they are going to, as you go through the security line, now they haven't decided whether it's at the beginning of the security line or after the security line or how exactly they're going to do it, but they're saying that um, they're, they're going to start taking people's temperatures. And what they're going to do is if you have a reading of 100.4 or higher, you're, you're going to be flagged. Then you know the question becomes you know what what does it mean if you're if you're flagged does that mean that you're not going to be allowed to get on the airplane all those things are kind of up in the air what do you do uh, generally speaking let's say you've checked your bags you know so you've checked your bags at the the Delta counter you've checked your bags at the Southwest counter the United counter or whatever then you go up and you're going through the TSA line then oh my gosh you've got a temperature of 100.4 you you get pulled aside you know how do you do it so there's questions about the practicality of this and how it's going to work. There's also people who say this is none of TSA's darn business. That the TSA exists to try to not deal with health issues. TSA exists to try to you know maintain safety from the perspective of you know we don't want you bringing weapons on board. We we want we don't want bombs on the planes. We don't want hijackers on the planes. You know TSA isn't set up as a public health agency. All right, eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am legitimately curious as to how you react to this. Do you think it's a good idea the TSA might be taking temperatures of everybody and say if if you test over, you, you get that 100.4, um, not allowing you on the plane? Would that make you more inclined to fly, less inclined to fly? Is it none of TSA's darn business? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. But would you be reluctant to... Get on an airplane if you knew you had to go through a TSA screening check. They're going to take your temperature, just like they look at your bags and things like that, and just like they pat you down if you get some like metal indication. Do you have a problem with TSA taking your temperature? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Word is that sometime next week, U.S. officials are going to roll out a plan at at least half a dozen airports. A dozen airports. Don't know which ones. They haven't announced the ones that they're going to be at yet. Where, as part of the TSA screening process, they will take your temperature. You know, with one of those things they put up to your forehead, and if it reads over one hundred point four. Well, you're going to be subject to extra scrutiny. Um, Frontier Airlines, they're doing this on, on their own. Frontier Airlines says starting June 1st, they're, they're, taking, they're checking everybody's temperature. And if it's 100.4 or higher, you'll be given time to rest, if possible, then checked again. And if it still comes back high, you're not going to be allowed to fly, and they'll try to rebook you. All right, but this would apply to everybody, and it would be TSA that's doing this. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Do you have a problem with it? Let's start with uh, Kurt in Waukesha. Kurt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey Jeff, how are you? I'm good. Would you have a problem with them taking your temperature? I would not. I think it's actually a great idea, um, and it kind of gives me peace of mind with everyone else. 
So if you have nothing to hide, then you can walk in, have your temperature taken, and you'll be fine and get on the plane. The one thing that I do think about, though, my brother has a skin disorder. His temperature from skin yeah. is generally high. So he's going to have a hard time, I think. And it, if you think about like what grocery stores or other retail operations are going to do, if they're going to start taking temperatures, he's going to have a hard time. But I think it's fine. Yeah. If, if Right. I mean, thanks for calling. No, I mean, there, there, I suspect that there are going to be those issues. There's going to be the false positives. And, of course, this isn't – it's not a silver bullet because, I mean, for example, there are people who, as we hear a lot – are, could be COVID-19 carriers who are asymptomatic. They're, they don't have a temperature. And, and from what I understand about this, and I don't play a doctor on the radio, is some of the times you're most contagious is before you started to show any symptoms. So it's not a guarantee, but it is an, an extra level of protection. Now, here I have a text, Jeff. I, I think this is an overreach. Once you give an inch, what else will be next? Well, okay, I mean, at the same time, you know, you, you go through the, the checks now and you, you set off the alarm and then next thing you know, they've got the wand and they've got people that are patting you down. I mean, I don't know, is is putting, you know, one of those infrared thermal things up to your forehead to see if you're going to test positive or have 100.4 or more fever? Is that any more intrusive? I mean, I, I guess I, I don't I don't know. Um, Jeff, um, I think this is a degree of, uh, I, I think, you know, I think it's an inconvenience, but it's not a problem. Jeff, I would welcome any kind of scrutiny boarding an aircraft. I get temperature checked every day as I enter work. And that's kind of interesting because I know that there are workplaces that are starting to do this. Sue in Cedarburg. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, first of all, if you've traveled um, throughout the world, as my husband and I have, our temperatures are checked every time we enter a country. We get off a plane, we get off a ship. They check your temperatures. You're not going in their country if you have a fever. So if I'm used to that, and I see no problem with that, and it is not. They don't put it up to your forehead. It's it's a distance away, and it's you don't sometimes don't even know it. And you can also have things over your head that can detect your um, temperature. So um, this is not something new, and it's really sad because every country we're in, we would have our temperature checked. And really? Uh, let me stop United you there, really, because I've, I've, I've never really, I mean, you're, are you talking recently? Because I've traveled overseas yeah, a lot. I've never, I've never had my year. temperature checked. Never. Last, huh. well, you might not even know that you're getting it checked because sometimes it's very, very um unobtrusive but i can tell you last year we were in asia we did all of asia and every time we got off the ship or got off a plane our temperature was checked and so that's nothing new and it's i I see it as a very good idea okay thanks for calling maybe maybe that is you i've never traveled to asia but i'm I'm thinking i mean the last couple years we did river cruises and we were in a number of different countries, um, you know, flying, you know, whether it, whether it's, uh, I mean, we, we were just, I've been in a number of different countries in Europe, and at least to my knowledge, I have never been temperature checked. I mean, I've never, and, and I don't think they're doing it subtly because there's a couple times I've been running through customs trying to catch airplanes and stuff. So maybe that's something that's unique to Asia. But I understand the point, and I guess I, I'm at a point, too, where I, I don't mind 
I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out how the the practicalities of this work, and um, you know what what happens. So you, you test positive, you get, or by saying test positive, you, you have you end up having the the fever, and then they pull you aside. I mean, what what happens then? Do you do you have have to have a doctor that's present or a nurse that does an additional screening for you, or is it just hey, you're not going to be allowed to fly until the temperature goes down? Um, is it possible you could have something else? You know, but but at the same time. Um, just like we've had all sorts of other things that have we've had to give up to after, especially after 9/11, when it comes to flying. I guess I don't I don't think getting hit with an infrared thing, a temperature thing, however it is that they're going to to work it. Um, I, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gianni and Montello, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, yes, Jeff. Um, I would have no problem whatsoever uh, of, of TSA taking my temperature. And if they want to give me a nose swab to test for Corona-19, that's fine, too. They can email me the results. Uh, if they want to check my shoes, if they want to check my bags, do all they, they need to do. Imagine um, uh, during the seasonal flu season getting getting on an airplane when you have a temperature of 102 and uh uh, what is that going to mean for the other passengers when you start coughing on the plane? Perhaps you're, you're coming down with flu symptoms. That person really needs to be pulled off um, and have medical attention or something to bring down the temperature. But um, the idea of um, letting people with um, temper, uh, uh, ex- excessively large temperatures on the airplane, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, You've got to protect the, the public safety in air transportation, and that goes um, – you know, that's just a, a general rule, I think. Um, we, we, yeah. They're there for a reason. And uh, I was – one more thing. I was in my local pharmacy, and they, they took uh, my temperature, and they gave me a mask to wear. So I, I welcome that, and I applaud them. Now, thanks for calling. I mean, I think – I mean, a lot of employers, that, that now – I mean, I understand going to work, there's different rules and there's different theories about that, but – and you look at a lot of employers now. I mean, that that's one of the standards in manufacturing. Let, let's just talk about the meat processing thing. You know, em, employees are temperature checked every day. That That's one of the standard procedures that they're putting in place to make sure that people aren't coming to work when they're they're sick, you know, and, and unknowingly or knowingly spreading it. Here's a text, Jeff. Yeah, the temperature check is mainly Asia. Europe doesn't temp check, but in Asia they'll do it at security exits. Maybe they'll start doing it for air, uh, for um, airport entry now. Yeah, I um, that's it. Jeff, I think it's a good screening. I, I think it's a good screening idea. Um, let's see, Jeff, if TSA won't let you fly because of a temperature, will the airlines refund your tickets and all the tickets of the people traveling with you? Well, that, I mean, but, okay, that, that, that's the flip side. Now, like I say, Frontier is already doing that. Now, Frontier does that at, at the gate, I think, and if you test positive over 100.4, what they do is they let you sit aside for a little bit to see if the temperature goes down. If it doesn't, then they, they try to rebook you, but they're not going to let you get on the flight. So maybe this is going to be the new normal for a while. And by the way, it's a couple people are texting. I understand that this isn't a magic bullet. It, it doesn't guarantee that somebody who's who, who might have COVID-19 or something else who, who just doesn't have a fever doesn't guarantee that they're not going to be get, able to get on the plane. I, I understand that, but it is another screening thing that you put in, which is perhaps for most of us going to be an, an inconvenience. But I guess I come back to the, this whole notion that, all right, if, if you've got 
if if you got a fever, you know, and, and you may very well be sick, you probably shouldn't be on the airplane. You're risking another 300 some some people that they're going to get sick a, as well. So, yeah, it might cause you an inconvenience, but if your fever, if you don't have a fever, well, okay, then you don't need to worry about it. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, this is, I think, a little bit surprising. One of the things that we've seen in Milwaukee over the last couple of years is that the homicide rate has actually been decreasing. There's been other other forms of crime, which has been very, very stubborn. Um, that is like the car thefts and the carjackings and uh, things like that. But but homicides have been, have been going down. Now, I've always argued that homicides are, it's kind of a, it's a misleading indicator of what a real crime level is because anytime there is a shooting, it could easily turn into a homicide. And the fact that somebody is shot and you know doesn't die is most times either a tribute to medical science that you're able to get people there in time to save the person, or just dumb luck that uh, you know they, they end up getting shot in the shoulder as opposed to you know the bullet hit, nicking the aorta and and they're dead. So I mean homicides, it's it's kind of a in some respects it, it's a misleading indicator of how bad violence is in a particular area or how bad crime is. But still, you you want the numbers to be going down, and, and they they have been going down in the last couple of years. This year, though, sharp increase. Now, we are not, we're, we're not halfway through the year yet, right? So that's, we've got another month. This is mid-May, so you know, you've got another month and a half approximately before we're, we're finished the first half of the year. There have been 56 homicides in the city of Milwaukee this year. And just to give you a framework, framework for comparison, same time last year, there were 26 victims. So we have more than twice as many homicide victims in Milwaukee this year than they did last year. Now, 10 of the victims have died in in two mass shootings. Um, So that, that kind of inflates the number a little bit. But the staggering thing is what they're finding is that of the 56 homicides that they've had, more than 40% more than 40%, so two out of every five, have been related to domestic or family violence. So it's not robberies gone bad out on the streets. It's not like the dope deal that goes bad and somebody pulls out the gun and starts shooting. It's not the gang doing the drive-by shooting and inadvertently you know, hitting the little girl that's sitting on the porch. Now, there's still an element of that. But 40% of the homicides this year so far have been domestic violence or domestic-related situations. Part of that probably due to, you know, people being confined and shut in as a result of the, uh, again, safer at home, no place to go, and all those types of things. And and it's not certainly a justification for for not implementing that. But it is, again, one of those kind of unintended consequences that's out there that you you see the increase in the the levels of domestic violence. And, And you knew that it was going to happen. But I guess I didn't realize and didn't anticipate that it would be happening as much as it did. And, you know, look, there's lots of reasons for it, but th- this number is just astronomical. 56 homicides in the city of Milwaukee this year compared to 26 at the same time last year. I mean, they're, they're on a pace for, you know, goodness knows, you know, how many homicides. Because normally, 
you know, when, when you look at crime, normally the crime rate starts to spike in the summer when the weather gets nicer and people get out on the streets, and that's where you just have just more interaction and, and more crime. Um, so far this year, with the domestic violence, the the you know numbers just off the chart, leading to leading to homicides. And again, just kind of an un- I don't know what point we draw from it, other than that domestic violence huge issue that continues to plague this community, and especially when you look at the numbers, fifty six homicides, just staggering. All right, um, on our news, we've been telling you all day about this new lawsuit that's been filed that would require the state to spend. Hundreds of thousands, probably really millions of dollars in sending absentee ballot applications to everybody. I think this is unnecessary, and I think that this lawsuit probably has no merit. Here, let me just kind of back into this, and then we're going to open up the phone lines and discuss whether you think this is necessary. In Wisconsin, the law is, is very, very clear. The law says you have a right to vote in person. And the law also says you have a right to vote by, by mail. You can do the, the early voting, what I'm going to call the absentee voting. The way the law works, the law says you can, any person can request an absentee ballot from the clerk's office. The clerk then will send you the application for the ballot. You fill it out. You send it back. And then they send you the ballot. So you have to apply for it. You ask them for the application, you fill it out, you send it in, then you get the ballot, and then you have to have the ballot witnessed, you have the photo ID, et cetera, et cetera. All right. What this lawsuit wants to do is it wants to require every, every municipality in the state to send an application for an absentee ballot to all the registered voters that are there. So they, they don't they want to take away the step of somebody having to request the ballot. Now in the city of Milwaukee, that's what they do. They're legally allowed to do it, so they spend the money and everybody who's listed on the voter rolls, they get an application for an absentee ballot. They have to fill it out, send it back, and then they get the application. But they don't have to go through that first step of actually asking for the application. A couple communities in the North Shore do it. Um, They do it in Whitefish Bay. They do it in either Fox Point or Bayside as well. Those are smaller sort of communities. This lawsuit would be, say, that everybody has to get one. So every clerk has to fill, send an application to you know everybody who is a registered voter, which, of course, is going to mean all sorts of people who have moved, um, who have died, you know, they're, they're going to get the, these applications. It also means that all sorts of people who have either, number one, no intention of voting or no intention of voting absentee, they will be getting these. So you're going to have an enormous number of people who are going to get these who aren't going to fill them out, aren't going to send them back, aren't interested in this. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have no problem with people being able to request absentee ballots. And I think the law makes it easy for people to do that now. We've learned after the last election that you want to do it in a timely fashion because if you wait until the last minute and you're depending on the post office, God bless the people who work for the post office, but the clerks get overwhelmed 
it can at least get overwhelmed, and then the mail system gets overwhelmed. So it's kind of an imperfect thing. If you want an absentee ballot, it's certainly in your interest to do it sooner rather than later. All right, I have no problem with that. And I guess on an individual basis, if, for example, Mayor Tom Barrett and the Common Council decide that we have the money to spend to send everybody an application for an absentee ballot, okay, that's a decision that they've made, and the voters in their particular community can decide whether or not they think that that's a reasonable expense and they can vote the people out the next election if they don't like. But the idea that every Wisconsin community should be required to send people an application for an absentee ballot will cost millions of dollars and I think is completely and totally unnecessary. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Should everybody get the application? And should the court say, you've got to, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think when it comes to dealing with administering elections, there are so many bigger fish to fry than this that I think this is an absurd lawsuit. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You have a constitutional right to vote. You do not have a constitutional right to have the clerk of courts have to send you an application for an absentee ballot at a huge expense to the taxpayers of the state of Wisconsin. And the bottom line is, if you're one of those people that has significant issues about whether you're going to be able to get out to vote or whether you feel comfortable voting, yeah, the system is there for you. You request the absentee ballot. If you wait to the last minute, it's going to create some problems because the clerk's office may be overwhelmed and the U.S. mail system might be overwhelmed. So that's one of the reasons that if you know you're going to be out of town or you're reluctant to want to go to City Hall on Election Day for whatever reasons or if you've got health reasons or whatever, that's why there, there is a burden to an extent on you, that you have to request the ballot early to make this whole process, to get the whole process started. But at the same time, to say, all right, we're going to go through the process of sending out absentee ballot applications to everybody on the voter rolls, however many million people that is, millions of people that is, knowing that a very, very good percentage of them are never going to send them back because they're either going to choose not to vote or alternatively, they're going to do what I do most times, which is, you know, vote vote in person. Because it's not that I don't trust the mail, but I, I, I'm going to go down. I'm going to vote in person. I like the process of voting in person. This year, we early in-person voted absentee. You know, we went down the week before the election or whatever. But this idea that we've got to send all this stuff out, I mean, give me a break. Plus, you want to talk about at least the potential for enormous fraud. Now, in Nevada, it's a little bit different because in Wisconsin, all they're doing is they're sending out, all Milwaukee does is it sends out an application for the ballot. It doesn't send out the ballot itself. So you still have to have somebody get it, request the ballot, and send it back. And we know that the voter rolls are a complete and total mess. I mean, we we know because there's already all these lawsuits that are going on. We know that there's a lot of people who are listed at being at certain addresses who, have, who don't live there anymore. They've, they've died or they've changed their address. We, we know that. 
But we also know that some election commissions refuse to remove those names from the rolls, despite the fact that state law says you have to. So under this policy, you know that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be have would have applications for absentee ballots sent to places where they no longer live. So you, you know that's going to be at least ripe with the potential for fraud. Now, what they're finding in Clark County, Nevada, that's where Las Vegas is, they they don't just send out the applications for the ballots. They send out the ballots themselves, and they use the same sort of flawed voting rolls that we have here in Wisconsin. And one of the things that we're finding, they have a June 9th uh, primary election. One of the things that they're finding is these ballots are, are just piling up they're they're piling up in dead letter offices they're piling up outside apartment buildings for example you know in the trays of uncollected or junk mail or whatever so there's all these active ballots that that are around and if you don't think that is the potential for incredible fraud well my advice would be make sure again you duck your shoulder when you fall off the turnip truck see bottom line of all this is if you want to get an application for a ballot i i think you know that's that's a possibility. We make it easy to do that. Yes, you do have to be a little bit responsible. You have to request it in enough time to make sure you get it. And if you wait till the last minute, there might be issues. But whose fault is that? I mean, seriously, whose fault is that? We do put some requirements on voting. We've always put some requirements on voting. You have to register. You have to have a photo ID. You have to prove that you live in an address in the area. All those could be construed as, well, limitations. Well, okay, they are, but they're minor limitations. Jeff, I see it as a serious possibility of selling your vote. What about the person that doesn't care to vote but has a valid ballot ready to sell to the highest bidder? Unbelievable to even consider this. Jeff, if people are responsible enough to vote, they are responsible enough to request an absentee ballot if need be. Jeff, it's completely ridiculous. My wife and I will only vote in person. Yeah, see, I think there's a huge chunk of people that that, that's how they are. It's easy enough to request a ballot if you want. That's the bottom line. And by sending them out to everybody, like they do in the city of Milwaukee, I think they invite the possibility of of huge voter fraud slash abuse. But regardless of whether you agree with that or not, there is a huge expense that goes with it. Why in the world in communities where people have no problem requesting the absentee ballot application, why would you require those clerks to go through those extra steps and do it? Makes no sense at all. Back with more in just a minute, including should she really feel bad about what she did? We discuss. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. All right. I, I want to share this story, and then we're going to take calls on this after the, the break for the news, because I I'm, I think we're going to have a real interesting reaction. If you will remember, last Wednesday night, the state Supreme Court struck down the safer at home rules, and a number of bars in different communities opened up right away. And you, you saw some pictures. There was the, the college bar in Platteville. There was a bar in Port Washington. There was a bar in West Dallas that opened up, and there were all sorts of people that were piled in there. Well, the TV stations, as they do, they run out. They, they do interviews with people. And, you know, folks were appalled that people would be out at these different bars. One of the women that was interviewed on Channel 4, um, you know, was, was there, and, and she didn't have a mask on, and you know the, the bar was crowded, and she told Channel 4 that she thought that being in the bar was no greater risk than being in a grocery store. Okay, so that, that's, that, that's the deal. So as it turns out, 
she's an ICU nurse, and I'm her first name is Katie. That her, her her last name is out there as well. I'm not gonna. I, I don't want to don't want to contribute more to this than's already out there. But she's she's an ICU nurse, and um, her deal is that um, her, it was her sister's bar. And she was helping her sister reopen the bar. And so, yeah, she, she went out there, and, and she was in the group. And, yes, she told TMJ, WTMJ TV that she thought being in the bar was no re- greater risk than being in the grocery store. The response, and she was identifiable. People knew who she was. And the response on the Internet was amazing, and it was amazing in its cruelty. She shouldn't be allowed to be a nurse. This is terrible. They should fire her, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, really abusive stuff to the point that, you know, she then issued a, a statement. And her statement is that, that she, she apologized for, for this. She said, um, while my priority was to support my sister in her attempt to restart her business, which has been devastated by this pandemic, I'd like to express my regret for not wearing a mask or practicing social distancing while there. It was a lapse in judgment on my part to not ensure I had a mask prior to leaving my house and to not maintain social distancing even during the interview requested by the reporter. As a nurse, I understand the fear and uncertainty everyone is facing and how important it is to practice safety measures not only at sites of care but while away from work. I let my guard down. I apologize for making anyone feel uncomfortable. While I do not have COVID, um, um, I'm going to voluntarily self-quarantine for the the next seven days. Um, Her employers said they were disappointed that she was in the bar not practicing social distancing. Okay, at this point in time, let me take a very quick break. When we come back, and as I say, the, the, the way this woman was treated on the Internet was absolutely brutal. I mean, you want to talk about shaming, she got it. I want to share an email I have, and I'm not going to identify this person either, that offers their perspective on it, and then we're going to open up the lines and discuss. So stick around. It's going to be an interesting conversation. Should she have had to apologize, and should she have been shamed in the way she was? That's all coming up in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, if you want to see the interview I'm talking about, the original interview, I, I just sent it out on, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I've got a link to the original story, and you can get the perspective. Wednesday night... State Supreme Court tosses out the safer at home rules. Some bars open up. Bar in West Dallas opens up. All right. And one of the women that goes, she's she's actually I think she lives in northern Illinois. She's an ICU nurse. She didn't identify herself as an ICU nurse. It's her sister's bar. So she goes there with her husband. If you look at the film, it, it this bar, it's not like that the, the college bar in Platteville. It, it's not like there's hundreds of people in it. Um, but there are people in it, nobody's wearing a mask. Because you're in the bar, they're, they're, of course, they're not going to be wearing a mask. How do you go in a bar and wear the mask? In any event, she goes on TV, and she does an interview, and she says, yeah, we're, we're coming out here, and um, she says something to the effect of, I, I don't think it's any more dangerous to be here than it is to be in the, the grocery. All right, she's identified as, as a nurse. Now, let me just... Just tell you before we take the calls, some of the things that happened. A couple people telling me she had received over 25,000 Facebook messages before she had to deactivate her account within two hours after 7 a.m. when it was posted. She had to change her phone number. Now, let me share, just to give you some perspective, an email I received, and I want to 
I want to make sure what I do is honor the person's request. Um, Jeff, I, I, I long-time listener, want to reach out to you. It's something I feel strongly about. Before I say anything else, I need to say I don't want my name in public for the exact reason that caused Katie, that's the, the gal, to get dragged through the mud. I am a nurse like her, and I support her 150%. Regardless of if society believes the recent opening of a business is right or wrong, I feel many individuals are unaware of a huge key factor that perpetuated the shaming of Katie. There is a bullying culture in nursing that has remained unchecked for years. The majority of individuals who I saw saying terrible things about Katie online were other nurses. I saw everything from how could she ever have been allowed to care for patients to I hope her and her whole family die. How absolutely terrible is this coming from America's most trusted profession? Katie, this is continuing, did nothing wrong, and as a health professional, I do not believe she took any unnecessary risks. I fear that nurses and medical culture in general have played a significant role in fueling this panic and fear mindset by condemning others who offer viewpoints differing from mainstream medicine. If we take a step back and look at empirical data, it just doesn't add up. We cannot social distance thing into non-existence. It's very easy for nurses to lecture the general public on staying home when we are one of the few who still receive our paychecks every week while others do not. And, and then, you know, it goes on. Differences in nursing are not valued. If you are labeled as an other, as Katie has now been, you can quickly become blacklisted as nursing is a very small world where everyone knows everyone. And then it, it's signed. I'm not going to reach the person's name. But and now, as I told you, the, the woman, in the result of this, she's now gone public and she's apologized. So Ridger, her apology is, um, you know, I, I'm sorry I did this. I'm issuing a public statement. I was trying to support my sister in restarting her business, but I expressed my regret for not wearing a mask or practicing social distancing while I was there. Okay, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the, the vitriol that was thrown at this woman is just absolutely incredible. And the, the social media shaming was absolutely incredible because she was in a bar without a mask on. And, again, I don't know the social distancing necessarily. It's Again, it, it's not this, this packed bar. But my guess is there were a lot of other people over the course of the last few days who, who might have been in bars. Friday night... Like I say, my wife and I, we went into a restaurant that we typically go to to pick out carry out, and, and we stayed at the bar, and, and we had a, a drink. And we weren't wearing masks because, well, um, because we were there having a, a drink. So, I mean, and there were other people there. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, is she was incredibly shamed because of this. Did she deserve it? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with uh, Lisa in Wauwatosa. Lisa, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Uh, long-time Hi, listener, first-time caller. But Welcome. I, um, thank you, I uh, watched it last Wednesday Night Live, and frankly, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I mean, I think there is a bully culture, which is wrong in this world today and and but i do in my opinion she was wrong um she's going back to work and i didn't even know it was an icu unit um that makes it even worse to me but i mean unless she wants mm -hmm. to i just personally would not want her caring for me or anyone i loved <laughs> in the hospital mm -hmm. she works in a hospital we're going through a pandemic 
Um, you know, the first second she can get out, she runs to a bar with no mask and in a crowd. I just don't think the profession she is in, you know, if she was just working out of her basement or going, I just think the profession she in was, is not the right place for her to be. Okay, well, that's good. Let me, let me ask you a couple questions because we'll, we'll use that as a starting point. If, um, like I said, Friday night, my, my wife and I, we, we stopped off at the place we like. We were waiting to pick up the food. We, we had a beer at the bar and, and, we're, we weren't wearing masks because we were having a beer at, at the bar. We do wear masks on occasion. All right, if, if that was us on TV or you saw somebody else on TV in that setting, would you think it would be appropriate to shame that person? We're, we're, I mean, I'm not, no, a, because, I'm not a doctor. No, because, Jeff, you are working in your home office, and you're not right. going to work in a hospital. So, yeah, that, if you want to do that, that is completely up to you, and that's fine. Everyone has a right to make their choices, but... To me, not when you're working in a healthcare setting, when you're putting other people's lives at risk. You talk about all the time that nursing homes are a big part of where mm-hmm. this is all happening and we should all be able to right. get out and blah, blah, blah. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I'm not allowed to go see my mom in a nursing home. But yet these nursing homes are getting this disease by the mm-hmm. workers, frankly, because right. I can't no, no, go see my mom. I'm not bringing it to her. So no, I you're, you're exactly right. Cannot, People come in. Okay, no, so let, Lisa, let me, ask you, let me ask you the follow-up question. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Let me ask you the follow-up question. Would you extend this then to anybody who is, say, in, in the medical profession? And if we see any doctor that, that is out in, in public who might not be doctor or nurse or what, whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know anybody who, who's a medical technologist, anybody who works in the health profession, if we see them out in a, a restaurant setting or in a bar setting like this, is it appropriate, do you think, for, for them to be, quote-unquote, shamed and, and called out? Well, you know, I, I think the shaming goes too far in so many respects. Um, I think it's out of hand, you know. Yeah. But I don't, I think that they have to be, and they, they have to be more careful than the normal people. They just do mm-hmm. because they're working in a hospital setting with people that are sick, and I personally wouldn't want, somebody if you know you were in a big crowded bar with no mask coming in to treat me the next day i just don't know think i would and i think people have the right to to you know have faith that the people that are treating them have been responsible okay fair enough thanks for call lisa i appreciate it i I mean i think that i think that is a that that's a fair comment i guess what my reaction was this the, the, the thousands of people and the vitriol who, who you know, lashed out at, at the gal. And I'm thinking, okay, there, there is there is this degree of social media bullying that, that goes on, and, and that's what it is. At the same time, do I think it was the smartest thing for her to do? Well, the, the answer, would of course, would be no. Now, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. My... Um, my stepdaughter is is a nurse. Now, she doesn't work in the ICU or anything like that, but she is... She is militant uh, about social distancing and things of the like. Oh, I, th- this was out on the Internet. So, it's, I mean, my birthday was on Saturday. And so we had, instead of like a big birthday party, we had we had different waves of family people that would stop over <laughs> in different installments. And, and, and when my stepdaughter 
um, when Jenny came over with her husband and two kids, we were out on the, we were out on our back porch. It was kind of a little bit cold, but everybody was apart, and it doesn't even come in the house. She's very very uh, militant about that, especially because she works in healthcare, and the last thing she wants to do is get sick um, and and give it to anybody else or bring it into the hospital. So she's very militant about that. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Uh, I didn't hear the criticism you're talking about, but she definitely needs to be criticized uh, because they're so irresponsible. Bad example. I mean, she's elbow to elbow, no mask on, in a bar, and then she takes this stuff, whatever she may have, back to work in a hospital. I would hate to be a patient in that hospital, like the former woman said, uh, have a loved one there and have this person treating them. I thought that, uh, how can I put this? Uh, it was, I, when I saw the interview, I did right. not, you said something about helping her sister. I did not hear anything out of her mouth saying, I'm here to help my sister. But I no, heard she was, didn't say that. Oh, it's so good to be out of here, be out of the pressure. Uh, de- I was very depressed, can't be with my friends. It's so good to get out. Nothing about hey, I'm here to help my friend, my sister, and so forth. So I mean, do you I think thought, it's look, right. Let me ask you. This. I mean, do you think? Okay. Do you hold her to a different standard because she's in the health network than you would? I, I don't know one of your friends who, who who's gone out and, and is sitting at the bar or something like that. Is 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 it because she's she's a nurse who you know might be seeing patients as opposed to just an ordinary person? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm in a category. I'm over 60 in uh, underlying health. So if people come in, like if I was at the, you went to eat with your wife, and I saw people yeah. not having face masks on, I wouldn't go in. Because right. if you cough or sneeze, uh, mm-hmm. it's been stated that the, the virus can hang in the air for eight minutes in an enclosed area. And I don't want to be infected by that. So, right. um, I would think, yeah, you got to be. It's like watching a video of a a, a person, obese person, leading an exercise class. You know. Okay. Okay. Thanks for calling. You you, know. Now you kind of lost me on that one. Well, my wife sends me this note saying, "Make sure you tell people we weren't in a bar. We were in a we were at the bar in a restaurant waiting to pick up our food. I'm not sure. It's 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 kind of like okay, we're we're here. We've ordered for carryout from our favorite restaurant or one of our very favorite restaurants. We go in and we're standing at the bar, and it wasn't a crowd where we were. It wasn't a crowded bar. I'm not going anywhere where there's like large groups of people. I was telling the story earlier. The restaurant we were in, the the owner was very cautious about maintaining social distancing. There were only a handful of tables and there were only like i don't know there were like maybe four people at the entire length of, of the bar so it wasn't that sort of situation it's not like we were running into a crowded bar okay we're going to pick it up right there does she deserve to be shamed because apparently the the treatment the gal got was absolutely brutal a lot of great calls on the line if you're on the line please hang on back in just a minute this is jeff wagner wtmj back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner 855-616-1620. Let me share a couple email uh, texts with you before we go back to the calls. Jeff, um, no one deserves to be shamed. It's amazing how quick people pile on. I've been working daily. How fast you go from essential to villain. These people being so nasty have probably been sitting in their house for the last week. There are no excuses. 
to shame people. Jeff, how in the world can she be a nurse and not know better? I think that's where the shaming comes in because you'd think she'd be smarter than that. I would definitely not want her treating me at the hospital. She's only on self-quarantine because she got caught. What a horrible lapse of judgment um okay jeff i'm a healthcare worker with an opposing opinion okay let's see jeff people make mistakes sometimes mistakes cost you your livelihood or even freedom i don't think this is one of those mistakes forgive and let her move on jeff no one uh, dot, 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 dot. um jeff this nurse is going to work in all the required ppe how is she then possibly passing anything on to anyone else jeff the world out there can be very cruel i don't think she needs to be shamed i just think she needs to be told or reprimanded for what she did jeff as an icu nurse she shouldn't have been in the bar but no one's to be deserved to shame or have their life threatened on social media this is exactly why i am not on facebook um yes uh jeff the young lady needs to unwind and and have have a life um okay uh, Jeff, like you always say, just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should. Yet in this particular circumstance, <laughs> there, I, clearly under, I, I think, you know, just because, just because the TV reporter calls you up or just because they stick a microphone in your face doesn't mean that you have to do the interview. Um, Jeff, I'm a retired nurse. I saw the interview on TV and saw the Facebook story. Then I read many of the Facebook posts. Most were awful, but to me, the funniest ones were the ones that said they would never want her as their nurse. They have no idea. There are staff that are good and some that I wouldn't want to care for me or my loved ones. Um, I don't know where she falls, good nurse or don't come near me type, but she made a mistake. Give her a break. Haven't all of us done something dumb during our lives? Jeff, are we as healthcare workers not allowed to go out now? Shaming is ridiculous. See, and I guess that that is one of the kind of questions that's out there. And moving forward from this, all right, what, what, do we, what do we do with the people that are working in, in health care? And, and now that bars and restaurants and things like that are, are going to be, you know, opening up, and, you know, it's, it's one thing to go into a bar or a restaurant and sit there and, and the server's having masks on and stuff. As a general rule, you know, the, the patrons aren't going to be wearing masks. So is this now the rule that, you know, if, if you're a nurse or you're a doctor or whatever, you're, you're not allowed to go out into the bars or restaurants or things like that? I just, or, or else that you too might be shamed? Linda in Milwaukee. Linda, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Linda. Um, what do you think? I'm a retired nurse of 43 years last 25 years of my career, I worked in a medical ICU, mm-hmm. and I do not think this gal needs to be shamed. Um, when I first found out she was a nurse when I was watching on TV, I thought, well, she really needs to unwind. When I found out she was an ICU nurse, I think she had very poor judgment, and I think mm-hmm. maybe she shouldn't work for a couple of days or get some COVID-19 tests before she can sure. be allowed to go with her coworkers and her patients. Sure. Would you let me ask you the bigger picture? Because th- this is going to be something that that healthcare workers are now going to be wrestling with. Um, are, are, is that the standard? If are, are healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, whatever, are, are they allowed to go into bars or restaurants now, or, or should they not do that? 
I think you can be allowed to go to a bar. As you said, you and your wife went somewhere. There was social distancing in that. Right. But yeah, yeah, so, yeah, let me emphasize that so I don't get in trouble. Yeah, we, we, we went to a restaurant. We were waiting in the bar of the restaurant to get our to get our food, and there there were there weren't more than like a half dozen people in there. So I we, we weren't piling to. We it wasn't like St. Patrick's Day at one of the Irish bars. That's not where I that's not where I was. But so you think it's open? But you, again, for for healthcare professionals, what, what is the new normal going to be? I think it should be like everybody else that mm-hmm. you can go into a place with social distancing. But that right. was obvious. The crowd went nuts as soon as the tavern league said, "Yeah, you're in." Yeah, yeah. I think no, she showed poor judgment in the place she went. Yeah, no. Thanks for calling. No, I, I do. Now, it's, as I watch the video, in fairness to her, it. it she didn't have a mask on, um, and it, it, this was not like a, a super-packed college bar, at least the thing that they, they sent. But I, I think what really also got people upset with her is that she was like, well, I, I, I don't think it's any riskier here than, than being in a, in a Costco or a Walmart or, or you know, a, an apartment store or whatever. So th- there is that element that's, that's out there as well. But, I mean, I do what, – what struck me as really interesting about this is, you know, what, what do we do moving forward? Because we're going to have to wrestle – with with how we judge things, and I guess this is one of these deals where you know she made the decision to go on TV. This was the first night, and it was in the context of all these people are rushing out to bars. But I mean, all right, now now more and more restaurants, now more and more of these places are in fact opening up, and they're places that you you're, you're not going to wear masks in. You know, it, it's one thing to say okay, we're going to wear a mask at the hardware store or the grocery store, but if you're going into the the restaurant, if you're going into the the bar, you're you're not going to be wearing the mask. So if does this now mean that we can't have the doctors, that they're, you're not allowed to do this? You're, you know, for the foreseeable future, you know, even if there's social distancing and stuff going on, you know, what is that normal going to be? And if you are the nurse and you do this, are, are you going to get thousands of comments talking about what a terrible person you are? Is, is that really where we are? This is Jeff Wagner.